You're listening to Gibraltar Stories, a podcast which shares fascinating stories connected to Gibraltar. My name's Lindsay Weston. I've been living here in Gibraltar for almost 10 years, and during that time, I've discovered more and more about this tiny and very special place. Its history, its people, famous visitors, and its role in important events on the world stage. From Darwin and the Neanderthals to James Bond, and from cybersecurity to crime fiction, Gibraltar may be small, but it has a lot of stories to tell. This skull, Darwin held it in his hands, and he, he talked about the, the magnificent Gibraltar skull. And so it was almost complete, so it was almost giving people an idea of what these people were like and the, how different they were from us. The, the strategic position always matters in terms of how um, others view Gibraltar and the interest that can be gained out of control of, of the place. I say it's a microclimate within a microclimate. A microclimate is when you get small changes in a short space. And, you know, Gibraltar itself, we know, is very different from, like, Spain. It never gets quite as hot as nearby Spain or Morocco. It never gets quite as cold in the winter. There's only been one time that there's ever been an air frost that's been recorded. I arrived here and I looked at uh, Marina Bay and I went, ah, now that's where my, uh, the, the murderer's y- uh, yacht is moored and that's where that so-and-so, that flat over in Neptune House, um, that's exactly, and that's the wrong way, that's where the chase takes place. So it's wonderful. Never I was ever going to think that I would be making a dress and it was going to be Cayenne and she was going to be there in the Miss World Pageant and she was going to win. So um, basically, yes, I cried loads. <laughs> We're punching above our weight. Massively, you know, it's, just, it's like everything. You look at the Gibraltar Football Association, the same thing. You t- you cannot, again, wear a pool of 30,000 people and you can only pick your team from 30,000 people. So then you go to UK and there are millions of people there. But to be up at the same level, I think, is amazing. Everybody was rather excited about the whole thing, obviously, especially because it was a Bond movie. Um, and you know what we're like in Gibraltar. We're very proud when whenever... Our rock is used for anything, so everybody was very excited. I think everybody felt a little bit like a star, and it's great fun to be on the other side of the cameras. Hello, and welcome to episode eight of the Gibraltar Stories podcast. Gibraltar has a thriving local music scene, with local bands and artists playing venues and events all year round. I've lived in several different places before moving here and have never known anywhere before where local talent is encouraged and showcased more readily than it is here in Gibraltar. David Diaz is a music journalist and presents Straight Out of Gibraltar, a podcast which features local acts in each episode. I went to a rather busy cafe in town to meet him to find out more about the Gibraltar music scene and his own musical influences. I started by asking him how he became involved in the music industry in the first place. Okay, it's very simple. Not many people know this, unfortunately, because I've never really gone out there and exposed it as much as I should. But, I mean, I remember being very young. My dad was in the Gibraltar Regiment and the Royal Gibraltar Regiment Band, and even before that, I think prior to I was born, he was always around, like, music and stuff like that. But... 
it all comes from my dad's side of the family, like all, almost my dad's side of uh, musicians, you know. My uncle wrote the Vihincita Europa, like the music to it, and, which is an anthem in Gibraltar. And from there it was like, okay, it transitions, the DNA is there. So my dad eventually picked, started playing drums and then just being young and being around it pretty much helped, you know. It, it, I got to meet all these musicians that, I, even, though, the, even though they played like classical pieces and stuff like that, it was still very interesting, you know, like to get, get to see your dad like a rock star, because you see people like like clapping along to it in like parades, and it was like, okay, my dad does this for a living, or even he had his day job too. But it was very rewarding, you know, he's representing Gibraltar on such a big level. But obviously, everything changed once I met the, the musicians that he looks up to, and obviously I met Hector Cortez, and I remember being very young when I met Hector Massimo. I probably met him when I was born. Because obviously him, him, he's instrumental in everything that my dad has done musically. He's, he was my dad's mentor in the music center back then, in the 70s, even before I was born. And then obviously William Gomez, who many people can pretty much relate to, he was such an instrumental figure. I, I, t- I said this in my Jib Talks, this, this story, that I must, have, I must have been around four or five. And I remember where uh, Marks and Spencer's is now. Obviously Main Street wasn't pedestrianized like it is now. And I remember being with my dad and William Gomez just walked past and my dad just speaking to him. And William had just released a CD with Vibrations, which was his band at the time. And just one after he left, my dad just said, oh, that's William Gomez from that CD that you like, I mean, like hyperventilating sort of thing. It was a very instrumental thing. And it was, to this day, it still stands up, stands out in my mind as one of my highlights. So that's pretty much my introduction. Did you decide to follow your father in as, as a musician and learn an instrument yourself? Secretly, not many people know this, but I mean, I started playing bass when I was like 15, maybe 16. I had a friend who used to play bass in school, so, and, and we would just, you know, I'll just pick it up and try and, at least try and play. I don't think I was very good, to be quite honest, but that introduction to it was like, okay, look, I can do this, maybe, obviously when you're 15, 16, you just want to fool around, you don't really see how difficult it can be to be a musician, especially because you have to set up, obviously levels that you need to like get used to like when you're performing live or anything else. To me, it was just pretty much strapping on my, my bass and just playing. Probably a lot of noise. I, I don't think it was that great, but it happened, you know? It was there, you know? I, I was, initially, I always wanted to play the drums. I just thought, in my mind, I could never be up to my father's level. I just saw drums as... My dad made it look so easy, but it was so difficult when I tried. And like, how the hell does he do this? Part of my French, but it's the truth, you know. I never really thought I would, and I could, and that's pretty much what happened. I just tossed the bass aside shortly after that. But your your fascination with music didn't go with the bass, though, did it? No, it, it all happened, and my friends are going to kill me for this. Um, I mention it a lot, and it's a story I'm very proud of. Um, I was 16, and my friends would go to psychology lessons in college, and. Obviously, I, I wasn't a part of that, those lessons, but I remember that teacher in particular. And they're like, oh, after school on a Friday, what do you do? What do you, we talk as to what we're going to do. Oh, um, Roy and Mr. Sempeda says to go to Rock on the Rock. There's something going on that day. I didn't know what Rock on the Rock was, I, let alone I didn't even know where it was. It's like, oh, Meadow Crows, I'm, let's go and check it out. You know, what's the least we could do? You know, it's Friday night, nothing else to do. So we went and... We paid off, uh, like as soon as we went in. I, many people will remember this that Rock and Rock at the entrance, uh, like to the actual club, is where you used to pay before. And obviously, the bar was actually at the other end of the bar. But, but anyway, I just remember we stepped in and, and we saw a lot of commotion. You know, we got there quite late, must have been around 11 ish. And obviously, a lot of commotion, people enjoying the music of this particular band. 
And the first thing that struck my mind was Stu Whitworth from Jetstream. And obviously, um, Stu used to live in my building, so I was amazed the fact that he could play guitar. You know, I'm like, oh my God, it's Stuart. You know, that, that was it. But then behind him, I saw Mr. Sempera, and I was. He looked at us and he smirked. You know, he's like, okay, this is what I do. This is my other thing. Even the, his secret double life. <laughs> pretty much, and that's what it felt like to us. You know, it was very key. You know, it was like, I, I dare say, when it comes to teachers, it's music aside. When it comes to teachers in Tulsa. At least the ones I know, and I, I see them on the street. I say hi. You know, they they always were interested to see what I'm up to. To this day, sometimes I've gone back to St Anne's, which was my old middle school, and I've always seen the teachers I had, and I've always thanked them. You know, there's a personal story behind that, but I always thank them for everything. But Roy was he wasn't really a teacher; he was a friend. You know, because obviously he was young. You know, so he was into the music that we were trying to get into. Obviously, the Neil Youngs, and, and obviously like um, anything Pearl Jam or anything else. And it it works, you know, and that introduction pretty much got us to more or less, more or less where some of us are today. And uh, your association with the Rock on the Rock and, and live music grew from there then? It definitely did. I, I say once we stepped into Rock on the Rock that day, I don't think it would have changed my life back then as much as it has in every sense of the word, you know. I've made lifelong friends there and I've made... I would just say not even friends, some of them are like family, you know, and uh, this goes out to my friend Warren, who I couldn't be any prouder to be a friend of his, because at the same time, for anything that I do related to my podcast or anything else, which we'll get to later, but he's always been the go-to guy, you know, he's always been, oh, Warren, I want to do this, that's a great idea, or like when I started my first podcast, he actually composed the jingle for it, and he designed the logo, and it's like, you know, stuff like that, willing to help out. And then obviously getting to know Alan and Gina as much as I have, and obviously their kids, obviously Jay, who sadly passed away in 2012, but obviously Haley and Alian. But I've known Alan my entire life because he used to work, do private jobs for my mum's um, um, building and business. And it was like, okay, great, you know, like get to know him as an adult, get to work with him as much as I have, and get to know him even better. You know, it, it's helped for the better. And that association just. To this day, I don't think I'd be anywhere without Rock and Rock. That's, that's point blank, the honest truth. And now, of course, you, you are writing. You are a music journalist, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. And it's crazy to think, I still, like I think we mentioned off air, that I never thought that would happen. And obviously, it was all perseverance. You know, I was doing it freelance for two years prior to doing what I do for now for a living. And when, I just thought, it all started purely because when I thought, when my uncle passed away, and I thought, you know, I never got the chance to interview him. I would have loved to have have had like a like a diary of his career and his music, which I've got as well. But unfortunately, I never got the chance. But I thought, you know, I'm gonna just to cure my boredom because I was unemployed. I thought, you know, let's just go and interview the ones that I knew. And surprisingly enough, like I sent it to a batch of musicians, and the first one that got back to me was Adrian Pizzarello. And Adrian, instrumental in everything I do, the same way as many others. But Adrian was. He replied, he's like, oh, what, what do you do this? Hang on, we do it in my rehearsal room. Great, do this. And that hour just flew by. It was like no preparing, no questions prepared, no nothing. Just the, the, my microphone, that was it. You know, and, and it took it from there. And then doing it for a living was the same thing. You know, it was like, obviously I was doing local news for a while in the Panorama, which I'm very proud of to be working there every day. And then by August time, and they offered me the chance. They're like, "Oh, do you want to write about local music?" I'm like, "Okay, great." You know, I was going to a gig that day, and there was a gig organized by a friend of mine. And they're like, "Oh, do you want to write about that?" I'm like, "Okay, great." That'll be the introduction to your column. Okay, great. Did that. I had to keep it to myself. I only told I think my 
my parents and I think my brother, my sister, pretty much. And that's it, you know, that's where it all happened. And from there, it's transitioned to this, to this Mecca, as I say. <laughs> I guess the thing that astounds me as an outsider coming into Gibraltar is just the sheer number of bands and musicians that are out there that are of a, you know, a really good standard for performing yeah. in public. Why do you think that is? I really don't know, to be honest. Sometimes it's in the DNA, sometimes it even isn't, you know. It's a gift that either you have it or you don't, you know. And it's like we talked about before, that even with the ones that don't make it on a worldwide scale, like you, I remember Jamie, prime example, James Montegrifo. I was amazed the first time I saw him perform. I was, he was 14, and I wish I had known him since, again since he was a kid, you know. Obviously his sister is a friend of mine. And obviously when I, he was 14 and the rest of his band were like 14 as well and my friend Johan was the lead singer of his band back then and he's, he was like 18, 19 at the time. And he was like 14 year olds playing metal, playing Iron Maiden and all, all, all these songs. And it just amazed me, you know. From then you look at the people like Jeremy Bettis and then you look at Simon Numas, Jesse McLaren, um, Patrick Murphy, Evan Torrente, there's so many. You know, Patrick has done wonderful things as well. And, but for them it's, it, it wasn't just something to do on a Friday or on a Saturday night it was it pretty much was their passion and it still is to this day but it, it all happens even with even not with the not so young ones you know and we I mentioned this quite a lot that we don't really credit local musicians not just musicians themselves but because at the end of the day sometimes you don't find out what time they get home from rehearsing or of recording even for some of them to record their own material but the, the hard work that goes into that you know it's not just plug in and go sort of thing I mean, they work in 95, then they go home just maybe for two or three hours, then go to soundtracks, then go to perform, and they get home at 2 a.m. from what was probably an early day in their own right, from a day-to-day job as well. But it, it always amazes me. I, to answer your question, I really don't know sometimes. It, it always amazes me as to how many musicians come out with each corner of Gibraltar. Yeah, because it's, it's really quite amazing. I mean, the case in point is when the uh, the music festival is yeah. here in the summer and then you have your local acts at the beginning. I mean, they used to be stuck around in a little tiny area at the back of yeah. the boathouse at the stadium, didn't they? And now they're getting to perform on the main stage. But there's just so many to choose from. I think it's a very... I said it before, it's a, it's a very big headache and a, very, a good headache at the same time. Uh, I just say because mostly because you recognise talent. If you obviously... Like with, when it comes to local bands, at least with the Neon Angel side, since they took over in 2017, we've been very close to that unit. You know, we've been helping them out as to who we can recommend. And obviously, in the first year, we had to compile a list of 35 bands, which was like even the ones that weren't active, but maybe for you know, if we would have recommended them, they would have probably stepped up to the plate and wanted to perform. Even solo artists, obviously, we didn't know that they had a no solo artist policy, but we thought, okay, great, we'll just recommend them, regardless as it goes on. When we see the likes of Jetstream and when you see the likes of Taxi or even Frontiers or many other local bands that get to perform, like you mentioned, on the main stage or even on the classic stage, for us it's a win-win. You know, you, you see them in the limelight. People go to see them now. It's not, like I mean, you see them get the big crowds. Maybe not as big as we want them to to get, but it's there. You know, people respond to it. But that also has to do with the fact that local music is more accessible. But then again, what music isn't accessible these days? It's all Spotify, iTunes, just search for Jetstream or Reach or any other band. They're there, you know, you just listen to them. And it intrigues new people to listen to their stuff. And even the ones that have never had the chance to see them live, 
Yeah, I guess it raises their profile, doesn't it? It does. And I just say, like I've always said, um, social media is, like, is a good and black, bad platform at the same time. But it's a very good platform because at the same time nowadays you can just share your material or anything else. And people, sometimes it's something something that someone is listening to on, on the download. You know, you're probably listening to something like, oh, what are you listening to? Oh, listening to this local band, Jetstream. Or, and you send it to friends from yours from, from abroad or even people like the Lady Rose band, and like which we'll get to later. But... Many others, you know, that, that you can listen to, like, that's actually very catchy. And if you put them maybe next to a Coldplay or The Killers or anything else, it doesn't stand out, you know, it, it does stand out rather in every sense of the word. It's there, you know, it's, it stands out because it's local and it's very Gibraltar based and it's got that Gibraltar sound. Yeah, yeah. What do you think that is? <laughs> can you pin well, it down? <laughs> that Gibraltar sound, that's a tough one. I dare say the Gibraltar sound is more about perseverance. I dare say. I mean, we've had the, our likes of um, Taxi, Mel and Diesel back then. That actually made it, obviously, on a, Spain, a Spanish scale, only across Spain, but then Reach did the same thing. Many others have done it before. Breed, 10-7, did it all around the world. You know, One Minute Silence, Glendiani, who's their bassist, he's from Gibraltar, not many people know that. And uh, The 500, there's so many other bands who have Gibraltarians in it, even though they're not technically local bands. But the Gibraltar flag is fl- flown everywhere in the world. It's then they're very proud Gibraltarians and if it's a metal sound it's a metal sound I mean, it's not my cup of tea per se but if it's good to the ears to some people that's it you know we support it no matter what it doesn't really matter we support them as local bands we don't really I remember like um, we promoted the 500 recently and I, some people were asking me but they're not a local band I've never seen them live I'm like well they've got two Gibraltarians in it so we're still going to classify them as a local band you know and it's them flying the flag, the likes of Glenn and many others, you know, Karen Shoshone does it quite a lot as well, you know, it's everyone. It, it, it's, it, it's a very universal thing now, and that Gibraltar sound is unique, I'd just say. Now, you mentioned Layla in the Layla Rose band, Layla yes. Bougea, yeah. and the first time I came across her was when she was playing with her dad at the back of the stadium yeah. at the GNF several years ago. And... I was absolutely blown away that this young woman, a schoolgirl, yeah. was playing and singing at such an amazing standard. And then last year she opened the festival, didn't she? She did in 2017, that was correct. Oh, right, yeah, I two mean, years ago. I mean, that was a decision made by us, believe it or not. And we thought, and we spoke to Neon Angel about it, and we're like, okay, we want Layla Rose to be there, you know, obviously. we One of the bands that were supposed to be performing had to drop out. And the first thing that came to my mind, I told my brother, I told Nick, who was part of the Gibraltar Music Society at the time, and he still is the Gibraltar Music Management now. And we said, we need to have the Layla Rosebud. Excuse me, there. No questions asked. Oh, yeah, sure. Spoke to the relevant people at Neon Angel, and from there I just called Jonathan. I'm like, Jonathan, uh, we want, I need to talk to you. And he's like, oh, what's wrong? I'm like, look, we'll definitely like to have the Layla Rosebud perform. Really? Yes. Oh, wait till Layla hears about this. Okay, so that was for us the win-win, you know. And but when you mentioned the standard, and I said it before with many, like with that particular genre, but with country music, which not many people do in Gibraltar, with Layla, maybe you play, I don't know, Reba McIntyre in one side, and you play Layla straight after it. There's no difference whatsoever. It goes hand in hand, and it sounds like something that's come out of Nashville, pretty much. And I remember when she performed, the first time she performed, one of the first times she performed as the Layla Rose Band, which is all fruits of Tara Moja, God rest his soul, that pretty much made that happen. 
he always said that because we had our first charity events in in October 2016, and obviously he had a band called Shortbreak at the time, and he, he was like, okay, we we have to drop out. Mark Anthony, who's the guitarist, gave me call. We have to drop out. Okay, no problem. This has happened. Obviously, it was about Tyron's illness. And okay, great. But, but Tyron just sent me a message shortly after. He's like, I, we owe you one. Okay, I didn't think much of it. But surprisingly enough, it ended up being the Layla Rose band. And then when I saw them perform that day, and then I saw them perform after the May Day, like, they've got a very unique sound, you know, and I want them there, you know. And then obviously, she's released an album. She's working on another one at the moment. It's, it's a win win, you know. I know. Well, I mean, it's her genre is country, but it's very accessible for, yeah. for people who aren't necessarily really into that. And of course, she's played in Nashville herself, yeah, so yeah. that that goes to show just what what a great standard she's at. I mean, it's not. It's also like we mentioned before about the DNA. I just say that her DNA has a lot to do with it. I mean, her grandfather Johnny, who many not many people know, they'll, they'll probably know him now because always he's always got his camera. He works for the Chronicle. But obviously, uh, her grandfather was a musician too, and on both sides. And obviously, then her dad Jonathan, and obviously her uncle uh, Danny Woody, for many people, they're all instrumental musicians. You know, I just say there is no greater musician in Tulsa than Jonathan Bujaja in every sense of the word. He's Mr. Diversity, I call him, because at this he plays keyboards, he plays piano, he plays guitar, he plays the banjo, you name it. If he if he plays the drums, that'll be a miracle. He could probably start his own band by himself. But you know, it, that, I just say that knowledge, you know, to have at home someone like Jonathan, even someone like like Bougie and someone like Johnny, who's probably been instrumental in making what the local music scene have become. Both of them, even her dad as well, three of them. And then you look at the backline that you, she's got in her band. You've got Chris Cavilla, who's done wonders, and it's probably one of the best guitarists I've ever seen in the local music scene. Then obviously you got um, Christopher Garderon, who does the Jim Floyd tributes, which is. A phenomenal production. They got Tristan Donner from Jetstream, who's also done his fair share TNA as well, which we talked about before. And obviously, then uh, Victor Calderon, Chris's brother. It's like that backline. It's a dream band for any girl or any only any, any boy that age who who wants to start a band. Who better to have than established musicians like yeah, them? All that experience behind oh, you. Oh, absolutely. It's a. It's so great, you know, because if you get rid of them, Layla still sounds great, don't get me wrong, but they add so much to her. That, that experience, uh, the fact that they want to help her out is what stands out to me the most, as I say. Yes, well, I guess they can see talent, can't they? Yeah, you recognise talent when you see it, and it's from the, the, that moment on, you just listen, even when you listen to Layla's album, cheap plug there, check it out, postcards, it's on Spotify and everywhere else. Um, when you listen to the album, once you listen to the song, where did she go? And you listen to it. I remember listening to it live at May Day for the first time, like um, live in that ambience with a with a band, like in an open forum. Obviously, rock and rock is closed out. So, but at the same time, you listen to it live, and the people are responding to it, and I'm like, Jesus, like she's gone to a winner here. And as soon as I heard that recording from that um, particular day, obviously then Muji released a video to it. I'm like, wow. I want to listen to it and I want to listen to it on the CD. As soon as I got the CD, the first thing I did was play that song to see how it would sound on my headphones. And I wasn't wrong. It still sounds amazing. It still, I was still amazed in every sense of the word. 
<laughs> now, talking about bands from Gibraltar who've gone overseas, yeah. uh, certainly at the moment, there's, there's two that I can think of, or artists anyway, and that's Jetstream, which have had the chance to perform in Spain, in the UK, and various other places, and also Simon Dumas from, yeah. from Frontiers. He's, he's on a, a very steep upward trajectory yeah. at the minute, isn't he? He's up there, and in every sense of the word. It's like you mentioned before about perseverance, you know, and I just... When I saw the news, and obviously, like for me, that was a win. You know, for, not just for me personally, but for Gibraltar music. You know, it shows you that he, he's going to fly the Gibraltar flag he, anywhere he goes, regardless if it was Frontiers or anything else. He, I know Simon would do that, and, and that's the kind of person he is. But I was just amazed, you know, because at the same time, you don't really think it's going to happen. But obviously, Simon always had that aura about him. Like he had the, he has the look, he has the voice, he has the songwriting ability. And what he's found with this band is he's found a match made in heaven. And I love Philip and Guy. And I, I, I want to say that all the time because I really do. But at the same time, maybe this is the best thing that could have happened because obviously they've got their day-to-day jobs as well. But but maybe this is the best thing that could have happened to Simon. You know, it could be a break. Maybe he makes it on his own. After that, maybe King Calloway takes off. I'm not giving up until I try and get them on Jimmy Fallon. That would be the ultimate. If they make it on the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, that's it. You made it, in my opinion. At least on in the on the US side of things. But I'd love to see them in Gibraltar someday. Maybe there's an idea there. I'll pitch it to Ministry of Culture and see what happens. <laughs> well, I look forward to that one definitely. <laughs> I mean, it, it will be obviously a big headache, obviously, because you'll have to fly them over and obviously logistics and riders and everything else. But it's there, you know. It's Never say never. That's the, pretty much the, the same attitude Simon and many of the local musicians have had. So have I, even though I'm not a musician. But with perseverance, you can achieve anything. Jetstream are the subject to your latest podcast, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're another band who are doing very well at the moment. Oh, they're fantastic. In every sense of the word, in all things, and not just music. I just say social media, music, anything else. Like The material right now is on another level. And I'm... A little exclusive to you is when we talked about that in particular, like um, Justin was saying and, and Tr- uh, Tristan and even Aaron and Nolan were saying that now when you listen to maybe one track uh, by Jetstream, it's got that Jetstream sound. You know, you recognize instantly that it's a Jetstream song. And it, the lyrics has a lot, have a lot to do with that as well. You know, sometimes it's like Delta Blues is very dark, very mysterious, but it's, it works, you know. But I mean, they're doing wonderful things, you know, and the, the, obviously the supports the top loader. They're going to be supporting the feeling in the summer, which is, you know, they're, they're in the right place at the right time. And it's not a matter as to when they get signed, when, if and when, you know, and I'd love to see that happen instantly, really. It's fascinating to see, certainly from my experience, when I first arrived in Jib about 10 years ago, I mean, they were playing in pubs on Friday nights. Yeah. And now look at them. I mean, they're playing huge gigs all over the place, and it's, it's brilliant to see. Oh, fantastic. It's like you mentioned right there, you hit the nail on the head. And it's like I would say to a lot of people, and I mentioned this a few years ago once, I actually said, like, you never know if we've got the next Coldplay in Gibraltar, you never know if you've got the next um, Dolly Parton or anything else. You never know, really. And sometimes it's not a matter if you're having a next so-and-so. It's about you never know who's listening. It could be someone who's just passing by and he's like, works for Sony or works for BMG or for Roadrunner Records or any record label in the world, you know, you never know. I mean, I've always said I love for a Melon Diesel kind of story to happen in Gibraltar, you know, where... But someone gets recognised or someone listens to that material and goes, I want to sign them to, to that label, you know. But you never know. I, I always do feel nowadays, Spotify is your best record label. It's, it's free, it's available, 
if you distribute your music as much as possible you can, you never know where it can go. And that's a testament to all local bands, not just analysis as well. Not just to one particular band, but it's all about never giving up, you know, and achieving the impossible. What may seem impossible at the beginning might end up being real, making a dream come true, pretty much, and becoming a reality in every sense of the word. Now, we alluded to your podcast there. Tell me a little bit about it. It's very simple. I mean, we always, at the beginning, we, we used to have where we just play the music of, of local artists. And obviously, I'll be very personal when I introduce like the likes of Jetstream or Vibrations or any local band from the past and present, even local artists. But and now we've ch- we changed the format. So obviously, we're very proud that the fact that we've got it sponsored. You know, we got it sponsored by Coca-Cola, Sikorian Speed. And we can't thank Guy and Suraj Award for that because obviously it was up to them, you know, that they re-sponsored the GLMS. Obviously they renewed that sponsorship and we're very proud of that. And once they said that, we're like, well, okay, we, we have the capability of having a brand, you know, and then uh, Guy sent us the jingles for Coca-Cola and that, from there, sometimes they get played on the show, not as much anymore. But so people know pretty much what identity the show has and it's sponsored by something it is. But then once it got that, I'm like, you know, we're just going to change it around, have local musicians pretty much tell us about their experiences and not even play the music that either they've been involved in or the ones they've been, been inspired by or even enjoy listening to them in, the, in their own free time. But it's great, you know, because you get to hear these stories about the likes of Jesse and even themselves. Like we had Robert Bettis on last week and it was great, you know, to get to know him on that personal level. Obviously, he's related to me too. That many people know that, but to get to know about why he chose Jesse, why he chose Jetstream, what he thinks about these particular tracks, it's always very key, you know, and very inspiring, as I say. And I guess it's nice to hear. You know, these are people that you recognise if you're out and about at the weekend or at one of the big events in Jib, like the May Day Festival or whatever. And these are these are people that you recognise to actually be able to find out a little bit about their lives and how they ended up doing what they were doing. It's, it's really nice. I always said, like even at, when I had my first podcast in 2014, that I always said a quick hi, how are you isn't enough sometimes. Like, obviously they're about to perform or even just sound checking or anything else. So sometimes you just go up to them out of courtesy, you know, say hi, how are you, blah, blah, blah. That was it, you know, just continue your way. You wouldn't want to be in the middle of it. At least I wouldn't want to do that at the time. Now I'd, lo- I'd love to be more involved as much as I am. But at the same time, I thought, you know, it's there, you know, let's get to know them as much. You never know who's meant for, I know, they could be inspired by a totally different genre altogether than the one they originally played, you know, and sometimes you find out these stories, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know this, or maybe they're in a band with someone that you actually look up to as well. It's all those stories, you know, and many people come up to me and tell me the same thing. They're like, oh, because I, I didn't know this about Adrian, or I didn't know this about Robert, or I didn't know this about you even. It's like, okay, great, you know, then you're on to a winner. When people actually question the questions that you're asking, it's great. It's a great feeling all around. And what's the future for Straight Out of Gibraltar? Oh, like I mentioned it quite a lot that I really want to go back and go to the past of local musicians. I mean, I mention it a lot because I've been around it, but it's I want to give back to that generation. I think I we, there is no Gibraltar music scene without them, and with, when the fact that there isn't a local music scene without them, it just goes full circle. You know, I want to hear these stories. You know, because obviously the border is closed and. There was more to do, as I say, maybe the local music was more accepted because there was nowhere else to go. But you listen to these stories, I mean, I want to, uh, we're going to have 
a little exclusive. We're going to have Victor Francis and Trudeau and Sadong very soon on the show, hopefully. And having them, because they were part of Vibrations, and obviously with William Wamis and many others, uh, they could actually talk to us about what the scene was like then and even what it's like for them to see their music recognized to this day. You know, obviously, the fact that local music is more accessible, many people are listening to Vibrations for the first time this maybe today or maybe tomorrow or maybe in an hour but it's always great because at the same time you're like oh I recognize this voice or I recognize this, his guitar playing I was watching because yeah, Judah had been uploading clips for, about vibrator for vibrations and I just watched a clip and I rec- requested a song and surprisingly enough he had a live recording of it from a GBC show back in 84 I think it was and I was amazed you know it's like this is my all time favorite vibration song I had never listened to it live and I was blown away and I will always be blown away by lo- local musicians like that. But it's those stories that I want to get to know in every sense of the word. And it's not just about getting to know the stories, it's about giving back. And that's pretty much what the, the podcast is, everything I do is. It's about giving back to not just us, the musicians I know, but to the musicians that did pave the way, like, like my dad, like my uncle, etc. So it's all comfortable so with us. My thanks to David for sharing his passion for Gibraltar music and musicians. There's no denying how strongly he feels about it. If you'd like to hear more from David, you can find his podcast straight out of Gibraltar on iTunes, Spotify and other podcasting platforms. His next episode, which is due out next week, will feature the local band Jetstream. And thanks to you too for listening, especially to any new listeners who've joined lately, including those in Belgium and Colombia. Welcome aboard. You can subscribe to Gibraltar Stories on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. That means you won't miss out on any future episodes. And if you'd be kind enough to leave a review and rate the podcast, that means that more people will be able to find it in future. Sandra has left a review on iTunes. It reads, glad someone has finally put a podcast together about our little rock that is so rich in culture. Thank you very much for that, Sandra. I'll be back again next week with another Gibraltar story for you. Until then, bye for now and thanks for listening.